RPS powered by Set. Welcome to the first episode of the Weekly Review on RPS, Primavera Sound's weekly international show where we talk about the latest in music and entertainment. To my left, Ben Cardew, behind the controls, Vlad the Impaler. The Inhaler, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> Hello, Ben, how are you this morning? I'm uh, pretty good, thanks. All the better for the news, which uh, we've just had. News so great, it made me leave my kids to their own fate and rush here. Uh, no, they have got someone looking after them, don't you? Well, yes, it's uh, the uh, there are new names on the Primavera Sound 2021 lineup. Today would have been the day it was all starting. It isn't, sadly. COVID 19 saw to that. But uh, as a sort of, you know, little thing to help you get through your day, there are some new names announced. Uh, and there's one I'm particularly pleased about. Shall we listen to... Uh, hang on, hang no, on. No. Let, let me quickly uh, just introduce the audiences to what we're going to be dedicating the show today, uh, the rest of the hour and a half. Uh, we're going to be you know, coinciding with the announcement of the rest of the names of the full lineup for Primavera Sound 2021. We'll be talking about the Imperial Phase in an artistic career by analysing which of our headliners are pre, post or fully immersed in their imperial state of grace. So, uh, without much ado, now, Ben, who are we going to listen to who have already had quite an impressive imperial career? We're going to listen to the band I'm probably most excited about uh, joining the lineup today, a band on, I think, their 24th album. This is Sparks with their classic hit, This Town Ain't Big Enough for the Both of Us. Oh, 
That was Sparks with their eternal hit, This Town Ain't Big Enough for the Both of Us. And I wanted to play that because Sparks are one of the bands announced this very morning for Primavera Sound 2021. And as I said, they're probably the one I'm most excited about. They played the festival in 2018. And it was an absolutely beautiful moment. It was at roughly six o'clock in the evening, if I'm not wrong. Um, and which is a beautiful time in Barcelona. You know, it's just a little bit less hot. The sun's still high in the sky. And they were just absolutely playing loads of hits. I love Sparks. I've seen them quite a few times. I think they're a vastly underrated band. I think they're one of genuinely one of the best bands in the history of existence, but who keeps on producing wonderful music. Um, and I am so excited uh, by the fact that they're going to be playing because their new album, A Steady Drip, 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 which is their 24th album, nonetheless. Uh, I was guessing earlier, but that was, that was right. Uh, it's absolutely brilliant. I know what you're thinking. No one's 24th album is brilliant, but it is. It's got, um, it, it's quite heartbreaking. It's got this song called, uh, and apologies for the swearing, please don't F up my world uh, at the end, which is absolutely lovely. And people often say, well, Sparks, you know, they don't, they're, they're not about emotions, they're about artifice, but there's real beating human hearts at the heart of Sparks. And that is a fabulous song. Uh, I could go on about them all day, and I guess we'll be getting back to them. We're talking about imperial phases, but let me just sort of briefly go over uh, some new additions to the lineup. Uh, we've got Agoraphobia, Akasha Kid, Bicep, Carla, Doja Cat, Ferran Palau, Georgia, Honey Dijon, Jeff Mills, Khaled, uh, Massive Attack, Mavis Staples, Porridge Radio, um, Young Marco, uh, loads, Square Pusher, loads of people. So you see, when we say additions, there are some people who are confirmed for 2020 who we didn't then announce. Uh, a week ago and there are some people who are genuinely new 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 you know they were radio porridge radio this is what i mean right every year primavera sound there's always one band that when they announce the lineup you're like oh i haven't really heard of them and then you really get into them and i think well all right i do know porridge radio but you sort of see what i mean you know that that band oh that's going to be fabulous they're going to catch them who's really taken apart from porridge radio has anyone really taken your your attention in the new editions we've opened with the two of them i mean sparks uh, the male brothers uh, are are really impressive i got i didn't get to see them the last time and as you say it's so great to see a, a career as long as theirs still resonate still feel important they never felt jaded Uh, Porridge Radio I'm extremely excited about and I'm even loving the fact that they still have another year to rehearse to make sure they're in tip-top shape for next year's edition. You know what I mean? Because they still seem like quite a young band who, you know, they're doing very well but, you know, when you see a band who's gigged uh, loads and loads and they're just so well rehearsed you know, I've had that experience of seeing a hyped band too early like, you know, when you see a band and you're excited about because there's a lot of media and a lot of uh, blogs writing about and you see them and it's like, ah, they didn't live up to the expectation because they haven't got those uh, flight hours, shall we say. Do you remember the band called Clap Your Hands, Say Yeah? Oh, yes, I do. Uh, did you ever see them live? Yes, that's a good example, Ben. Yeah, I think I saw them too early and it was just, oh, it was car crash. Yeah, you know, when they take ages between songs and uh, and it just doesn't sound tight. And, you know, that could also be a band having a bad gig on that night. You know, it's not, you know, poor guys. But um, we're in the big leagues now. This is Primavera Sound 2021. If you're going to be invited to this stage, you've got to bring the heavy guns. And uh, we're going to, as I said, today's show is going to be dedicated to analyzing which of our artists or which of the artists confirmed on Primavera Sound are 
in the their imperial phase or they're about to reach it or they're past it it's an interesting talking point when you're um, discussing music because you can bring out lots of uh, lessons shall we say that you can apply to to your own endeavors and projects shall we say and it's also just uh, fun it's great fun to to observe a career and, and celebrate it in those phases because it is a very important phase um Would you like to read uh, Neil Tennant's definition of um, the, what the imperial phase is? Uh, I don't mind if I do, because this is where it all started. All right. According to Neil Tennant, uh, he was a music critic uh, for uh, Smash Hits before mm -hmm. he became the lead singer of Petrol Boys. The imperial phase refers to an artist's career when it's going through creative and commercial success simultaneously at a level that transcends the mainstream on its own terms without sacrificing the core essence of the artist. And I mentioned it earlier, Sparks in the 1970s. Because they were a massive, massive band. Kimono My House, Propaganda, Number One in Heaven, those kind of albums, those kind of songs. But they were weird, right? And they, they were on top of the pops. I mean, apparently I wasn't alive yet. Um, they were massive, massive pops. But they were so weird. I mean, lots of people report, apparently reported seeing them on top of the pops and wondering what Hitler was doing there, which says quite a lot about what you need to know about Britain in the 1970s. They were the sort of very dish, the very definition, I think, of a band that's had really massive creative success and commercial success simultaneously. And the funny thing is, you kind of get into, well, what's an imperial phase? Because I think Sparks have had many different times of releasing wonderful music. In fact, I think their last two albums, including the new one, are brilliant. But I wouldn't call it imperial phase because they're not having the same massive uh, commercial success as they did before. You like to refer to it, I believe, as the sweet spot. It's the sweet spot. It's when you're even the your grandmother knows who you're, who you are. Obviously, your grandmother. Uh, you know what I mean. <laughs> even the grandmother knows what the music is. You go into the butcher shop; they recognize that song. Uh, but it's it's just it isn't just about having hits in the charts. It's also being talked about in all kinds of cultural spheres um, and celebrated. Not because you're dating someone famous or because I don't know. It's because. It's solely solely about your work. Everyone says, "Oh, it's that singer. It's that person who makes music," and and it also has a, a awakens a fascination, shall we say, like a Beyonce, for instance, right? Some people might not even know uh, ten songs of Beyonce, but they know perfectly well who she is, and they would pay they would buy tickets to go see her. You know what I mean? I like to think it's you can almost feel the confidence coming off bands at some point. They know. That they're, what they're going to do is really good. It doesn't mean they don't have to work at it, but they just know like this is really good and this is going to connect with lots of people. And that kind of is something you find in your imperial phase. And that actually is how we're relating it. Well, for me anyway, to some of um, next year's headlines at Primavera Sound, particularly Tyler the Creator is the one I'm go I'm going for anyway because Tyler the Creator has a massive confidence in his own work, and it's justified and it enables him to put out things pretty much what he likes, take like big artistic steps. Um, and grow his audience while doing it, which I think might be one of the definitions of an imperial phase. He is, Tyler, the creator, is the clearest example of an emperor right now, right? His, uh, if we, let's look back at his trajectory, shall we say, right? It all started with Old Future, Wolfgang, Kill Them All. It was a vast collective with many affiliates, but it was evidently clear that Tyler was the, the, the leader. Then he took 
it's it's interesting because you can see easily where Tyler took his notes from. Obviously, he always mentions Kanye West and Neptunes as being his most uh, obvious um, father figures or spiritual father figures in, in the music industry. But th then you have to think about P. Diddy and Jay-Z, who should be recognized as pioneers in Afro-American entertainment entrepreneurialism, who in turn took lessons from Quincy Jones, who found, uh, you know, who found a career as a musician first, then a producer, and then became a media mogul, all at the same time, right? And Tyler is precisely that. He is a rapper, but he is also a, a filmmaker. He, makes, uh, he has shows on Adult Swim. He has shows on Viceland. He has a clothing brand, which is just as influential as any of the streetwear coveted brands like you know, Supreme or Off-White and stuff, you know, Golf Wang Drip is heavily valued. And the fact that it's limited editions, you know, it, 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 it's, it's all these stuff that is extra musical, but it doesn't betray his, his essence as a creator, right? It's not like making some tacky perfume with some fancy laboratory. You just stick your face on it because you have a large following and you know that you're going to sell uh, this crap perfume, which you don't really believe in. You know, it's just a question of cash. What Tyler brings to the table is, as he says, he is a creator. So everything ties into his persona, his character and what he's trying to convey. Can I just say as well, uh, lots of love for Tyler um, for saying he really doesn't care if uh, anything happens to his Goldfang store in Los Angeles during the current disturbances uh, in the United States. Um, he basically said, the store is fine, but even if it wasn't, this is bigger than getting some glass fixed and buffing spray paint off, which is just another example of uh, just, I don't know what a brilliant artist he is and how in tune he is with how people feel, I think. Well, it, apart from that, you know, when you analyze how did he get to this imperial phase, you think, okay, uh, I remember perfectly when he won the MTV award for, I think it was Best Rap Video that year. It was, I think it was 2011, if I'm not mistaken. Um, and that's when I saw finally, no, yeah, 2011. Uh, that's Tyler finally being accepted by mainstream because MTV at that point wasn't the credible taste-making channel it, it used to be, right? It was, it was just pure mainstream with teenagers, with Midwestern Americans, whatever. And all of a sudden, Tyler wins at those awards and it felt special. It felt like him and his legion of fans were breaking in. It's like, fine, we're not, we're not just these people that get talked about in uh, connoisseur blogs, music blogs, right? We're, we're breaking into the mainstream. And then, obviously... When, when he won the Grammy this year for Igor, that was the massive moment where, okay, everyone is paying attention. Not only that, around the release of Flower Boy, every social critic was writing something about Tyler, the creator, about his supposed, the accusations of homophobia, uh, which were obviously, you know, he, he, he managed to uh, obliterate completely uh, when he was playing with those lyrics about coming out on Flower Boy, this, that, the other, you know, playing Mystery Man. And then, don't let's remember, he was banned in the UK. He was banned from entering the country for four years. And all of a sudden, when he comes back on the, on the promotional tour of Igor, there's that photo of him in front of the Buckingham Palace. And is there anything more empire than that? Like getting back into the British Empire and owning it completely and um, holding hands with a, a, a very established brand like Lacoste. You know, it's all these little things. I keep tying it into fashion and brands and, and his musical dominance, but that's what it takes to become an empire nowadays, using all the media outlets, using all the streams of promotion that go beyond playing in front of concerts. And obviously, he became a, a huge fest headline fe uh, festival headliner. And can I just say, it was Theresa May that ben banned him from entering the UK, and what happened to her? See who's won, won there. Um, 
Well, quite. So, uh, have you seen Tyler Headliner Festival? Oh, yes. At Primavera Sound 2018. It really did feel like um, Superman came back from the, from, you know, when he leaves uh, planet Earth to go back to find his roots or whatever, and he comes back and he saves the world again. It felt like that. It felt like, and it was just him on his own. He changed the game. Everyone, other artists were kind of doing it. The thing of the solo. A performer being on stage with nothing else but giant screen uh, you know not even the DJ was in sight but I remember that Tyler gig it, it just felt extra special it's like look at this guy he doesn't need anything else but himself a screen he was wearing the the kind of reflector jacket vest that you wear when you're changing a tire on the side of the road you know his drip it was all about statement I remember ASAP Rocky was with him he brought him on to to, to, to guest on a couple of the tracks and it was funny I was actually walking behind him when he was walking on stage and I was, you know, I was just sort of following his his entourage and uh, we, and Isaac Rocky was there and I remember they were all following him and Tyler turns around and he's like, what are you all doing? You're not coming up on stage to, to watch the show from the side of the stage, you know, get out in the front, you know, this is my moment, you know, <laughs> come and support me. And it was really funny and Isaac Rocky was like, oh, well, you know, bugger off, you know, if you're not going to let me join you, I don't know, I'm, I'm retelling the story like a dad would retell it without any kind of humour. Um, but it was real. Well, I saw him um, at Sonar many years ago. I was trying to work out, I think it was 2012, 2013. And he basically, it was just him on stage. And it was really impactful. Just him sort of rapping. I don't think there was even a DJ on stage. But just him. And he totally owned it, you know, in a, in a fabulous kind of way. It just makes you realise that that kind of poise in someone still so young is really a special thing, you know. Yeah. Should we listen to a song? Not a Tyler song. We're going we're gonna to get back to that later. But we're going to listen to um, a song by someone else who we're going to argue is in uh, her imperial phase. Someone you uh, have been listening to a great deal. Somebody who's been owning the lockdown, we're going to say. This is Charlie XCX with Detonate. Trust myself 
XCX. She is uh, on her way to her own crystal palace of dominating uh, the world as an as an empress. Um, because it's interesting if we analyze her career, right? She signed her first record deal when she was still in school and she was writing music for other stars before she reclaimed the spot for herself, which is a great way for a young person to learn the business before they get thrown into the deep end, right? Because usually what happens with a lot, someone like Amy Winehouse, for instance, all that fame, all that pressure, <clears throat> we know how that uh, can can break, uh, can destroy a young person's life. But Charlie XCX seems to have the reins tightly held together. By the, you know, she is now she is in in this whole confinement without having to draw on too many collaborators or anything. She's made an album in her house, and it is a triumph. It is part of an imperial phase. It is a creative uh, success because she has managed to condense into one album all her influences as a teenager. She was a club kid. She was into rave. She was hang she was listening to dance music, how it has to be heard, in loudspeakers, in venues, in underground places, in abandoned warehouses, whatever. So that obviously informs the way she makes music. It's like, okay, I'm not making this for some crappy MP3 um, uh, Bluetooth headphones or anything. I want to make music for big, big, big loudspeakers, right? And um, I think it's quite a triumph. How I'm feeling now is the sound of so many dance cultures in one, but uh, transgressed into her, her, the current day language with the help of A.G. Well, A.G. Cook from PC Music. What do you think, Ben? Well, not just that. Um, if you look at the kind of line of people on, on the album, I didn't realise she'd worked with 100 Gex, who are obviously mm -hmm. going to be playing. Uh, she worked with Danielle Harl, who did a brilliant DJ set, Premier Sound, last year. She's got a beautiful way of like getting these people together and making them part of her world, you know, which again is a very imperial kind of thing. It's like, yeah, you can take other influences, but this is, you bring them into what is, what is very much your world. The only thing about Charlie XCX, right, is she is not as commercially successful as you might expect. I really hope this new album takes it uh, takes her to new levels. But I was just looking now. Um, where do you think How I'm Feeling Now got to in the UK album charts this first week? Hmm. Surprise me. 33. Damn. Okay, but that has to do with COVID. Uh, the confinement, you know, not TV shows, 
radio, all all the all the all the allies that an artist needs, or all the events, shall we say, that you need to to push an album up the charts, are not being are not happening. It's just her on her Instagram account doing conferences and this, that, the other, and that reach is very limited. We always think, oh yes, you know, Beyonce, all she needs to do is just do one post on Instagram saying new album out. This is the link, and yes, everybody who follows her is going to listen to it. But with Charlie, she is still in that phase of becoming a household name, which she has. She isn't yet. It takes me. I can't even recognize. I would confuse her on the street. I still, you know, her face isn't totally recognizable like a Billie Eilish, for instance. Right. Well, I think maybe this album could prove to be the massive, massive liftoff for her because it's perfect for the moment. We talked about this before on the radio. How some people are making music that's just right for this sort of confinement, uh, for these rather strange moments. Drake was one person we mentioned who's been doing it very well. And Charlie XCX is another. Lil Sims is another as well. And what Charlie XCX has done here is she's basically put down... um, She's made the album in a perfect way that really relates to how people are are living, you know, are being, being confined. And she's let us all into the process. It feels a bit like we are there with her, if you see what I mean. And that's a very powerful kind of thing. I'm, it's going to be very interesting to see how um, this translates to her live setting. Have you seen her live? Uh, no, I didn't. I missed out last year like a twat. But I'm going to have my chance again in 2021. I'm going to be frontline. She's going to be my Robin. Oh, as in the big pop act that you actually... Act, act, that, that just satisfied me so completely like a can of fizzy drinks. I don't know. It was just perfect. I expected so much of Robin and she delivered. I'm expecting that, you know, that's going to be my big, uh, yeah, my big bright pink pop moment, I guess. Can yeah. I say as well, Charlie, please come on and have an interview. We tried to interview her last time and I was really, really, um, really, really excited about doing a whole list of questions because that's the thing. She's interesting, you know, like some pop stars are a bit boring. Yes. Right, I'm sure we've met, interviewed, etc. Pop stars who are a bit boring, at least publicly, and I don't blame them because they get so much grief on social media for for anything controversial they might say. But Charlie XCX is a genuinely interesting person. I remember sitting down trying to think of what I would say to her, and like the list of questions just came flowing out. So if she does want to come and interview Charlie, we are all ready for you. And I'm also very, very up for um, a collaboration with 100 Gex, like live on stage, if that's going to happen. I've said they're one of the acts I'm most interested in seeing. Yeah, I mean, I my from I'm gonna make an educated guess. I think Charlie is on her way to Imperial phase, but it will still take a bit longer. It's it's not gonna happen with this album and and the 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 whatever touring she gets to do around this album once uh, confinement is totally lifted. Uh, remember, I'm just gonna compare her to someone like Beyonce. It took her quite a while to reach that it, her the Beyonce Imperial phase. Some say it could be around Lemonade. Mm, I'm thinking from the tours, from the presence. You know, even though she was massive and super famous and making advertisements and 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 stuff, she wasn't. She, you know, she became even bigger as the time went on. And Charlie XCX, I think it's a question of that sound, that PC music sound, that hundred gig sound. It's still quite hard for adults to get behind. So once us adults <laughs> learn to understand PC music and and sort of get used to those incredibly saturated rhythms and sounds and and, and 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 filters once we get so once it becomes the new normal shall we say then charlie will be like okay now you're ready then she will be able to mix it in with a bit of balladry and she'll be able to perform at the awards i don't know it's it's all about being an empire is about conquering the little ones the elder ones and everything in between rosalia is a good example rosalia hit imperial phase on el Macarer. but that's a different subject let's listen to 
more music from a headliner. Yeah, I've been looking. I'm on uh, the on the internet as you do. Uh, to, <laughs> I know that sounds such a stupid thing to say. Where do you think I've been looking down the down the paper shop? No, to see how people have been reacting, and a lot of people are very very excited about Massive Attack. Uh, reconfirming as well they might be a band to have their own imperial phase and I believe we're going to listen to a song from it what are we going to hear? Rising Sun
Massive Attack, one of the new confirmations uh, for Primavera Sound 2021, which we're going to be talking about today. And I have got some practical information, Johan. How do you like that? Oh, good. Information, like in a Massive Attack gig where they have all those digits, like in a Times Square, not Times Square, like in the Wall Street, what do you call those? Stock exchange. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> they, they have like, it's brilliant. They have too much, almost too much information. It's like an overload, isn't it? Yeah. It's, it's really quite overwhelming. I love that. <laughs> I'm not going to overwhelm you, though. I'm going to give you uh, information that you know, should be pretty digestible. All right. So, today would have been the first day of Primavera Sound 2020. We would have been down at the forum yes. in our makeshift studio, um, broadcasting live, getting ready to see some gigs. That's not happening. Oh, yeah. Yeah? yeah. But um, they have. Uh, announce a few more names for next year but also um, I believe now you can go and uh, get your your ticket refunded if for whatever reason you can't make it in, in 2021 but if you choose not to you know and obviously it's fully within your right to go and get it refunded some people can't come obviously money you know money might be tight whatever that's, that's absolutely fine but if you do choose not to um, then you get certain benefits if you kind of choose to uh, keep your ticket for next year such as you get a fifteen percent discount for a friend to buy a ticket. Oh wow, that's new. Okay, so you and your mate can, you know, it's just nice to invite and to invite friends, isn't yeah, it? And like or, you know, fifteen percent discount is hopefully they'll then buy you like beer with it. Well, uh, speaking of having a beer bought for you, what was the other surprise for people who don't uh, who who hold on to their tickets for twenty twenty one? So you get credit of ten percent of the value of your ticket ah. to spend at Premier Sound twenty twenty one. So that includes bar and uh, merchandise? I'm guessing so. I don't have the specifics, but yeah, I mean, they say it's, it's to, to spend there. What would you be, bar or merchandise? Yeah, um, bar, I think. <laughs> bar, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Who am I kidding? No, our merch is very paying, actually. We, we even had a special uh, 20th anniversary uh, tracksuit which uh, obviously since they didn't get sold uh, all the employees at Primavera Sound were all freshly dripped in, in, in a nice tracksuit bottom. I don't have one. You, but you took the, didn't you take the... I've you, got the sweatshirt. Oh, you had like, to There's a, like a Diamante sweatshirt, which is very much me. Do you know what? I don't want to be, I don't want to be like, unreasonable, but I really hope they, they don't make any more of them. So I've got like a real exclusive. Exclusive. That's what a horrible person I am. Anyway, that's not all you get. You get um, exclusive 24-hour early bird 2020 pre-sale. You get an exclusive edition of Primavera Sound's 20th anniversary book. And you get a commemorative t-shirt for Primavera Sound's 20th anniversary. So there you go. You've got absolutely every right to uh, get your refund if you like. But if you don't, as a sort of, you know, th- thanks for kind of holding on and, and you know, um, 
having faith, I guess. You get those things, which which isn't bad, is it? You know, it's also good. I, I'm I'm terrible at saving up money, so this is kind of an investment. You can get, you know, you can wait until next year to get it if you can afford to uh, wait. Even if you're not going to come, you can just sort of, you know, it's like having money in the bank. You know, it's like remember, like, oh, you know, when you're strapped for cash, and it's like, oh yeah, I've got that Primavera Sound 2021 ticket. I can get a refund right now and um, buy more whatever, pay the rent. Um, I, I think there's no, there's a period in which you can get refunds, so that doesn't quite work. Oh, oh, shit. all right. There's me trying to be creative with uh, but you know, saving systems. But you know what? You know what? Right. I bought uh, three tickets for Paul McCartney Barcelona. Okay? Oh yeah, that was, that was in June. Uh, for me, mum and dad, and that's been cancelled, right? And I got the email yesterday saying that they're, they're oh. sending me back the money. And I'm not saying I don't want money account. I'm not saying I can't use it, but it's really not the same. You know, that money's just going to be put in the account. And be like, oh, well, what am I going to what am I going to do with that? What would am I going to do that would be as fun uh, as going to see Paul McCartney with my two parents? I mean, obviously taking them to Premier Sound, but I'm not doing that. So, uh, well, uh, did they, did they enjoy Sparks? Would they enjoy Sparks? No, no, they're, they're, they're more sort of 60s people. i tell you what, though, they went to see uh, Bell and Sebastian at Primavera Sound, was it last year? Last year, year when they, they played the for... The free opening gig. Um, and I can give you the Red Hot review from my mum, if you like. <laughs> yes. There's too much bass. Why is there so much bass? She kept on asking me, why is there so much bass? I was like, I, I don't know, it's a Bell and Sebastian gig, not a you know, drum and bass That's rave. the last, the last band I'd, I'd sort of cite for having a bass line. You know, they're always... The part of the Bell and Sebastian sound is how they make all instruments just sound light and, you know, under the surface and, you know, underneath Stuart's sort of whisper. I mean, I wasn't at the gig. I was, I was looking after the kids. But, like, I mean, maybe, maybe they went baseline heavy, but I, I find it very unlikely. If anyone could could sort of enlighten, enlighten us on this, did Bell and Sebastian go baseline heavy when they last played Primavera Sound? <laughs> Uh, we'll try to answer. Oh, hey, if anyone's got any kind of questions you want to ask, um, you can hit us up. Oh, you hit me up on Twitter, actually. Uh, I'm at Ben Cardio, and I can pass it on to Johan, who's not on Twitter uh, because he thinks it's awful. So, uh, or, or, and they can also use a Radio Primavera Sounds Twitter, handled by our wonderful Itharo, who is um, who's on point and can answer any kind of ins- uh, uh, questions, inquiries that you may have. Continuing with our special weekly review about the imperial phase um, surrounding artists that are featured on our lineup. So just to remind listeners, the imperial phase, right? What Neil Tennant uh, coined back in the days when he was talking about the trying to um, summarize the success that Pet Shop Boys were having in the late 80s, right? Um, it's, it's, we're, we're, we're talking about, we're applying it to artists that are going to be at Primavera Sound 2021. It's interesting because it's that beautiful sweet spot, as I say, between being underground and being uh, mainstream. It's you, you are part of the mainstream, but you haven't sold out. You haven't done what the record label is ordering you. You're making it on your own terms. Uh, we've been talking about Charlie XCX, who's on who's well on her way. Um, we've talked about Tyler, who we're listening to in the background. And uh, it's, it, it's hard to talk about Tyler without mentioning... You know, it's not just about Tyler. Another thing that is exemplifying of an imperial phase is how it changes the landscape. And all of a sudden, how many bedroom soul, indie soul or bedroom pop producers came out after the the, the Tyler sort of brand... Um, endorsement of people like Steve Lacey or even Frank Ocean, how he was incorporating that kind of sound that sounded like Marvin Gaye making music in his bedroom, right? With with just simple technology and incredible ambition. 
um, Frank Ocean is also very painful to talk about in this special because his imperial phase is uh, characterized by his mysteriousness and his reluctancy to sing and dance according to the whims of the industry, right? Do you know, I've got a theory about this. Okay, this probably isn't going to please people very much. But I reckon a Frank Ocean gig could never be as good as you as you've built it up to be in your head so maybe it's best it doesn't happen yeah well that's my very uh, optimistic way of putting a uh, spin on it i remember once talking to um someone who who worked with an artist i won't say who who was very famous for cancelling their gigs um and i went to one of this artist's gigs or i tried to um and uh, they they cancelled and I, I remember speaking to my friend i was like come on you know i really wanted to see this and my friend was like look would it really have been better, like an hour-long DJ set? You know, would that, would, or would would it have just been better for him to or her uh, to keep to keep their mystique? Um, so that's my take on Frank Ocean. Although that said, I'd still absolutely love to see him uh, play off. Well, the, the interesting thing about uh, the Frank Ocean, in, in, I don't know, I don't know if it's he's gone through the imperial phase. I think he's, oh, he's yes. even above it. Yeah, no, he no, has. No, 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 there's no above blonde, the imperial blonde. phase. Yeah, blonde, blonde was. Well, Blonde, and also releasing that other album just before. You know, the ability to do that, the ability to release two albums. Endless. Yeah, exactly. Well, one album that was basically accompanied by uh, a video of, of someone make, of himself making some yeah. stairs, pretty much. Yeah. That is such an anti-commercial move. Well, that was a power, that was a chess move, because he had a contract, didn't he? And he wanted to get out of his contract. So he gave them Endless to fulfill his contract. And the next day, he launched Blonde on his own, his own, crea- his own label. And you are not getting away with that if you are not an artist in your imperial phase. Exactly. Being in your imperial phase means you can, you can pretty much do what you want on a record label side. I'm not saying you can get away with any kind of scandal. I'm sure there are things that can bring you down. But no, in that particular way, you don't have to play the record company game because you're that good. Your, your album is going to be a hit. It's because, you know, you look at the giants of the 80s, right? People like Michael Jackson, Prince, who, as that Pitchfork article mentioned, uh, his has probably had the longest imperial phase ever in, a, in pop music. Um, but Prince and Michael, they both had constant troubles with record label and they constantly you know remember when Slay, uh, Prince would write slay the word slave on his face and he, he had all these kinds of uh, manifestations of, of unrest with his record label and all of a sudden there comes Frank Ocean who took the notes and it's like you know what I'm going to play this right you know I'm going to have my lawyers and make sure I look at the contracts and see how much I have to do to make sure I don't get sued out of my career right so he did it very well but anyway um, going back to Neil Tennant right we, we, we keep defining the imperial phase um it's interesting because they always say or he uh was it tom ewing who put it on pitchfork the 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 imperial the imperial phase is characterized by the happy sensation of working hard and well and having the things you try resonate the things you try resonate with your desired public and for that there's three terms there's command which is when the artist is commanding the idea and the permission, which is the reception of the public, the permission of the audience, people who get it and they are enthusiastic about it and they're buying your product and they're talking about you all the time and they get genuinely excited. They feel goosebumps when they see you appear on television or on Instagram or whatever, right? And uh, when, if you compare the notion of the Pet Shop Boys to the notion of someone like Frank Ocean, Pet Shop Boys owned television and magazines and, you know, that was it in the 80s, right? You had to 
obviously radio, the appear on radio, appear on TV shows, and be fabulous every time you appear. You know, with with your the, the dressing and the and what you say and the interviews and the performances, how they're conceptualized, even on places like Top of the Pops or anything, you make things look even interesting and better. And Frank did that, but with internet. He didn't use television, he used internet, and he had the, the magazine, he had the fashion magazine, which he curated, which he had all these collaborators. So it isn't just about me and my beautiful costumes and my beautiful songs, it's about how they use the zeitgeist, they take hold of it, and how they create this these new dialogues and how they affect and then a, a part of Frank Ocean's imperialism had to do with what we're talking about this week about Black Lives Matter about police brutality R.P. Trayvon that uh, that mm, person looked just like me were lyrics on Nikes on uh, Nikes on Frank Ocean's Blonde that opened it you know so he was drawing attention to something that is affecting America his country and he made it part of the pop uh, pop culture dialogue. And look at it. Uh, years later, we're still... Uh, well, as you see, if you're looking at the news, America is being burnt down because people have had enough. Um, we can't breathe. Uh, it's, it's interesting when you reflect it in how an artist is able to take it into the pop career and all of a sudden we're looking at it through the lens of the news and it's still very important. So it's all these kind of things that affect an imperial phase. So we're going to listen to a song. Tell we. Tyler, the creator? Um, I was actually going to hit my nod back since we've been listening to Tyler. How about we listen to the originators of the concept of the Imperial phase? I will always listen to the Pet Shop Boys. Okay, this is the Pet Shop Boys Domino Dancing.
up boys domino dancing all day all day that's how we're gonna be going down next year watching us dance and party and ah, all those things that seem so distant ben we're gonna it's actually i'm actually looking forward to having a monocle summer pretending i'm some kind of uh buddhist monk just eating weeds and drinking herbal tea preparing my body for an onslaught of debauchery in 2021 it's a kind of a, a detox year um <laughs> anyway going back to this this is the imperial phase we're reviewing it on our weekly review and it's fun to talk about the artists that we're getting hyped about seeing we were supposed to be seeing them this week but we're gonna have to wait another year but time just do other stuff rather than party all the time. Do other stuff. Focus on being the best version of yourself so that when that time arrives, you're going to be as amazing as someone like Charlie XCX. Um, yes. Yeah, we said Pet Shop Boys aren't playing. We just couldn't resist playing them um, because we're talking about the Imperial Phase and they are the absolute dons of the Imperial Phase. Um, people who are playing, I mean... Yeah, who, who, who are your, your picks? Who are you really looking forward to? I've, always, I've obviously mentioned Sparks, Jesus and Mary Chain. 100 Gex. What about you? I am very interested in seeing how FKA Twigs evolves from what we saw last year to next year's performance because she is another example of an artist that is working her way into an imperial phase. Yeah? Explain. I'm, I'm... Okay, she's doing everything right. She's she's making pop for the adults, right? Uh, and and but the young ones are very enthusiastic. She's got an incredible following. Um, when she appeared, she was being celebrated by the industry. Everyone was sort of putting their chips into like, oh, she's going to be the next best, the next best thing. And she proved to be something more interesting than the next best thing. She was. Uh, quirky she was making left field pop she was being ambitious and all of a sudden she with 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 lp number two she, she you know she as we've said many times on this show or on, on sprung you know she created the theatricality the dancers the performing with a sword you know she was mixing different she was creating a bit of a gesamtkunstwerk right it's not just the songs and the performance it's um it's something beyond so Given that she has demonstrated it being very ambitious and very good at executing her vision, I imagine she's not just going to turn up with an acoustic guitar next year, right? But I sometimes wonder, because she reminds me a little bit of someone whose imperial phase was a little bit interrupted, which is Bat for Lashes. I don't think we can say Bat for Lashes had an imperial phase. But she was on her way... She was being groomed, or she was being she, the, the the permission of media and music journalists. Uh, and I remember Pitchfork; they would really go out of their way when uh, she released the Haunted Man. They made a beautiful um, uh, uh, interface layout on their website. You know, they they gave her an extra added importance, right? Because it's important that the media backs artists up and and they make they make them out in a special way using the graphic design using whatever i don't know it's 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 all these little tools and she 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 had the balladry she had all the kind of stuff the swan songs the, you know the things that as i say a grandmother would love just as much as a young kid right uh, but being interesting and 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 left field but not too too left field that the mainstream won't digest it but in the end... Uh, Bat Flashes is also not playing Primera <laughs> Sound 2021. I know. We can, we can officially confirm. But she did Sorry. once. She did once uh, when she was uh, date, I think on the back of Two Sons. So I think uh, it, it's hard for Bat Flashes to maybe regain it because um, 
uh, well, anyway, sorry, I don't want to keep talking about Bat for Lashes in that way. I still love her, and I still I'm still a fan of Bat for Lashes, and 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 bless her. But she didn't reach the Kate Bush Kate Bush status that I think we we compared we unfairly maybe compared her to. But you know, she didn't reach the the Bush stage. She might, she might. There's still time. She's still young. She's still great, and she's doing stuff with Speedy Wonderground, which is a great label to be associated with. But in the case of FKA Twigs, okay. She's had the the whole Hollywood boyfriend thing uh, to to help her break into the sort of uh, mainstream consciousness. But once again, she's not famous for being the girlfriend of Robert Pattinson. She's known for her music and her musical ambition. So uh, I've got my eye on her. So one great thing as well is that um, I didn't realize last time she played that her new album wasn't actually out yet. Magdalene came out on uh, the 8th of November 2019. So uh, we've... we've when she played that gig at Primavera Sound, I'd only heard a couple of the, the singles. Actually, I just, I didn't see the gig. I saw the rehearsals, and they were fabulous. I've told this many a time, but she was like really, really harsh on her band to get it absolutely right. And you'd see a kind of uh, performance, and you'd think, well, that's brilliant. And then she'd be like, no, do it again, do it again. And it, it that kind of work is quite astounding. And I loved all her work uh, with The Sword. And I think um, Magdalene... It's a great album as well, and also the kind of album that needs a bit of time to sit, which is what it has had. So when she's playing in 2021, it'll have been out for, you know, a good uh, 20 months or something like that. I think, again, talking about Imperial Phases, she could have... She's like gradually getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And what did you say, the third album? Is the third album that does it? It's usually the third. You know, when, when you've got the critics in your pocket by the first album, by your debut, then it's... By the time the second, uh, don't don't mess it up. You know, keep at, keep that attention growing and that all being as amazing as with the first album. So it's usually, if you if you're gonna be a mathematician about it, you could always say it usually happens with a third album. Not the case of someone I mentioned earlier, but ah, I don't want to get into that. Let's let's not, not stray from FKA Twigs. Something that helps an imperial phase is having. You know, for an empress to conquer the world, you have to have very good generals and sergeants and soldiers and stuff. And she has had some very good, um, or, or advisors, shall we say, Nicolas Jarre, who produced Magdalene, right? As you reminded me last some week. Some of it, yeah. Some of it. And she also worked with Arca, who's also on her way to having an interesting imperialish phase. Exactly. It's that kind of curation which is very important. It's like you creating your world by plugging into other things that's another thing that your imperial phase is about it's about it's about world building you know when a band is in that sort of sweet phase and this is something i really like you can imagine like what books they like what films they like to watch what clothes they like to wear because they've created something that's very strong and very much them and i think that that's part of what it is like it, it you know you look at someone like fka twigs and the people she assembles around her perfect and that takes nothing away from her in fact quite the opposite it's it's really to her advantage she knows how to do this because this is i think quite a modern skill i mean you've always had people who have worked um with the greatest i mean you know the petrol boys did it themselves they worked with some of the biggest um producers there were um but this kind of curating um different sounds into your own thing is quite is quite modern and it goes with obviously the the rise of playlists and, and you know listeners creating their uh, curating their own music so that's why i love fk twigs mm. and the f- what, another thing that i think uh, is gonna work to her advantage or would you know if i was gonna be her manager 
uh, it's always about you know don't sell out don't sell out you know just keep doing your thing but i must admit that she is a little bit too quirky for the mainstream and this is what happens to someone like grimes uh, when i was re when i was thinking about this yesterday i thought i kept thinking about grimes because she is a classic example of everyone who's she's pressing every button that she can to get to her imperial phase but she still doesn't have the permission from the audience and twigs could get it but she th there's something about her personality where i think she doesn't really care about the mainstream audience she doesn't care about uh, what people think of her and that can be a bit detrimental to reaching the imperial phase Okay, so I, I, just briefly, I've been looking at line again, seeing what people are saying about Primavera Sound 2021. A few people have been having uh, a few problems with the uh, ticketing site, but they are working on it. So please um, do uh, do persevere. Um, Fest Ticket, for example, have been uh, responding to a lot of tweets. Um, so if you're having problems, uh, you can certainly... Uh, tweet them and they are very much working on it i mean uh, i guess that's an indication of demand uh, i'm sure it will uh work so moving from fka twigs can we talk about our album of the week oh yes uh, how about we listen to a song to get us ready for an album of the week that couldn't have come at a better time since we're talking about imperial phases lady gaga <laughs>
Lady Gaga, ladies and gentlemen. Who would have thought uh, she's delivered quite a banger of a record? She's delivered one of my very favourite albums of the year so far. What? It's, yeah, definitely. I think this is my favourite Lady Gaga record. Do you know when you sometimes make the distinction between favourite and best? I'm not saying this is necessarily her best, but it's my favourite. It's such a wonderful album. It really fits into my taste, which kind of I, like, I love a lot of 90s house, I love a lot of disco, I love that, a lot of electronic music, and I also love a big, massive pop song, and she has really, really, really done it. I mean, basically... When I looked at the people she worked with on this album, I was a little bit suspect because, you know, she's working with, well, maybe suspect isn't the word, people like Skrillex and people like Mm. Swedish House Mafia or members thereof. Um, And you're thinking, that's a bit strange. What's that going to be? And basically, she's imposed her personality all over the top of it. See, my theory is, right, I've got nothing... Okay, I listen to a lot of sort of house techno, that kind of thing, right? And you get people in that world who don't like mainstream pop stars doing it. You know, they're quite sort of protective of, of what it is. But my theory is, I'm absolutely fine with someone doing it, as long as you bring songs, okay? Because your production is probably not going to be as good as, uh, I don't know, let's say Daft Punk's production, or Carl Craig's production, or something like that, you know. But you have access to brilliant songwriters, you're quite possibly a brilliant songwriter yourself in the case of Lady Gaga so I want you to make fabulous songs with what you're doing and this is what um, she has done, as I say this song Stupid Love is absolutely kind of a revelation, it's one of my favourite songs of the year and it's gone in 3 minutes 13 which you know is the kind of brevity that I absolutely adore and again it's funny we're talking about imperial phases here because I think Lady Gaga's imperial phase has probably finished. Oh, yes. I, I, I would go for it. I mean... But sh- that doesn't mean that her career is on the way down. Uh, hang on, let's let's specify. An imperial... F- a post-imperial phase usually means that you're so established, you know, you can, reti- you, you can retire on your laurels and uh, you don't have to do anything that matches your greatest work. You can just keep uh, performing and touring and doing other things and stuff, but it doesn't mean your career is over. It just means that you won't reach the excitement and all that, all that collection of uh, collective uh, awesomeness that happens when when an art, when an artist reaches an imperial an imperial phase. Well, no, quite because in fact uh, the Pet Shop Boys released a lot of their best music just after their imperial phase. Mm-hmm. Um, or, or uh, behaviour, which again was was probably after they'd passed their imperial phase. I'd be interested to see how they um, uh, define it themselves. But that is probably their best album, Behaviour. And as I say, this Lady Gaga uh, album is is possibly her best work. What did you make of it? I, you know what, I think I'm. I felt like this is the a very clear example of adult-oriented dance music, because it sounds, as you say, so un now. It doesn't. It's not the sound of now. It's the sound of before. But repolished, you know, so it's almost retro, yeah, by now. As you say, Skrillex, who would have, and, and this is interesting, right? This is how, you know, we all knew from the start that Lady Gaga is sly and clever and smart, as well as furiously talented, right? But she, she picks her collaborators well and, and cautiously. Remember how she, on, on her previous stuff, she was working with Mark Ronson and, and Kevin Parker from Tame Impala? I do, yes. Because they were the cool kids, right? They were the cool producers, the hipster producers, the guys who, who not only were they headlining festivals, well, in the case of Tame Impala, 
they had their feet their feet in the zeitgeist, but they were also able to work with top quality professionals, the kind of people who you see at the Grammys, right? And it didn't work out for her. It's like Lady Gaga, she it, it, it wasn't really her terrain, you know. Lady Gaga's never meant to go down to this. Uh, to the hip sounds uh, that these guys are capable of making. Lady Gaga is, you know, she has to go big. And so this time she's decided to do something that's like, okay, let's get people, once again, look at it mathematically. Who were the big pop makers of 10 years ago? Skrillex was dominating uh, EDM and that was a very mainstream sound. You know, EDM festivals all over the place, Las Vegas, this kind of stuff. It was, you know, not my kind of thing, but it was it was huge, right? And a lot of the world. But then it wasn't no longer. But there was something about the sounds of EDM that connected with loads of people. So look at the sound of this track, Stupid Love. It's got that hard kind of um, hard bass, that, but it's very clear and clean, which is very much of the EDM sound. But she's, she's you know, she's reinforcing what she's always done very well, shall we say. And without sort of diminishing her greatness by trying to be hip with the cool kids, she's actually like, no, let's go stadium size because she is used to playing in a stadium in front of people. Look at her on the Super Bowl. That's another interesting part of her post-imperial phase. When when the Super when she was announced as the Super Bowl um, artist halftime show, uh, it was after Art Pop had d- hadn't done really well. Art Pop felt uh, like a bit of a meh. Yeah, an anticlimax, definitely. An anticlimax. It was post-imperial. It wasn't going to reach the heights of Bad Romance and Telephone. It was the album, I think, that should... I'm not sure. It almost should have been the climax. Everyone was all ready for it to be the biggest thing ever. And it kind of wasn't, was it? it? No. But she... she, what, What was interesting about seeing the Super Bowl performance was her reclaiming the spot in a way, like, reminding us, like, oh, damn, Lady Gaga was always awesome. We just kind of forgot because... We were busy thinking the art pop was a failure. But all of a sudden, there she is on her own. Even Beyonce had to pull in Bruno Mars and Coldplay. Not saying that she's not capable of doing a halftime show on her own. But, you know, she she used others to, to create a show. Lady Gaga did it entirely on her own. It was just her jumping up and down, coming, you know, if I remember correctly, she was suspended from a crane. I don't know. It was, it was very amazing watching her. It was, a, it was one of the best and most expensive halftime shows ever in Super Bowl history. And this was a reclaiming of the spot. And then she came with A Star Is Born, her foray into Hollywood, which was another triumph. Every, you know, it was the typical film that should have swept at the Oscars. She had that wonderful moment performed with with Bradley Cooper in front of Irina Irina Shayk. Sorry, I didn't want to say that. Um, we did, love Irina. Uh, I can't help bringing a little bit. He's so in. happy, so happy. It's like being at the barber shop commenting. Oh yeah, you see that Irina? How she held her own when Lady Gaga was looking at her man. Woohoo! People were lit watching that television spectacle that wasn't in the script. Um, sorry, I digress. So what I'm saying is, this is. A good example of how Lady Gaga is an empress because she had her imperial phase around Bad Romance. Nothing matched it, but she's come with an album out now that probably won't match it, but her fans are going to go crazy for it. The day she's allowed to bring this on a world tour, I think she will sell out the the tour tickets on the back of this album because it, it sounds amazing. Imagine it live. Well, also, apparently it has been outselling all of the uh, rest of the top 20 in the UK, which doesn't surprise me so much because this is such a British album. There's nothing the British like more than sort of Banging House and Disco and Elton John, quite frankly, all of which feature. Um, 
I want to play another song, and then I want to talk about her use of 90s references on this. So we're going to play uh, another song from this album, another of my very favourite songs, and I want you to tell me what it makes you think about. This is Lady Gaga with Babylon. same beat pattern as Vogue Vogue is one of the songs it reminds me of okay anything else the okay the piano hook what, what am I thinking of Marshall Jefferson well it, it, it's I'm, it's escaping I was thinking Voodoo Ray reminds me a little bit of Voodoo Ray for some Voodoo reason Ray. Um, and it's got that loon sample which is uh, was in all those sort of classic rave records like 808 State see this is what I love about the record it calls back to this when I was listening to it it doesn't rip anything off you know, it, I'm not saying that in any way, but it, it basically makes you think, oh, yeah, this is a bit like Voodoo Ray. This is like it's a load of my favorite things put together in a very, very clever fashion. <clears throat> and also she is talking about herself. She is throwing back to her own, her own career during this. She's talking about her life and career. And the whole thing wraps up very cleverly in what is like a modern record that, that, that is almost, I think, the model for the way in which you can recycle older music. Well, we were talking about re- repurposing, weren't we, the other day? How this is, you know, 21st century is all about repurposing. And Lady Gaga understands this. It's like, you know what? It's totally, it's it's actually almost her duty to remind 
the younger fans or the newer listeners that you know this was a sound and this was the the height of what a dance floor could sound like people were happy and obviously there's loads of social connotations about pride about um, um, disenfranchised communities you know celebrating in underground clubs all of New York you know this is this is a sound this is a sound that made her great or or the stuff that you know, I'm going to draw a, parallel, a, a comparison with Charlie XCX and Lady Gaga. They both had spent a lot of their teenage, their later teenage years going to clubs, right? Or, well, in the case of Charlie XCX, it was raves, and that is informing the sound of her latest album. And Lady Gaga spent many a night in, in the kind of clubs where, you know, people were doing uh, poses and, how's it called? You know, a bit like the Paris... Voguing, you mean? Voguing, that's right. it. Voguing and stuff. So this is... This is her little animoia. This is her like uh, reliving, not animoia, uh, just reliving her her tal- her teenage years, probably. I imagine. I'd like. I wish we could. I hope we get the chance to interview her sometime. I think it'd be fabulous. Yeah, because she she talks a lot about it's. Uh, people are talking about it as well being her most uh, personal album, because she talks a lot about uh, the experiences she's gone through PTSD. Um, due to sexual assault, she talked about mental health. She talked about the way she's come up. She references her own career and how people see her, and she does all of this over great sort of massive stonking pop hits, which is quite the way to do it. The other thing I really like is that um, I was talking about you know people digging into this sound, you know this kind of uh, once underground sound of house techno and, and that kind of thing, and I think. <clears throat> The other important thing is, if you're going to do it, you've got to really go for it. And one of my favourite moments on the record, we were talking about this the other day, is the drum and bass bit at the end of the LTJ <laughs> collaborate. All right, what, what did you make of that? I mean, when you just told me first there's a song with Elton John and it has a bit of a drum and bass uh, ending, I thought, how boomery. You know, you're making a song with, like, the, the greatest grandmother of all, which is... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Elton John, I can just see them both in one of his mansions outside of Las Vegas. You know, she took the private jet in. It's like, hey, Elton, what, what, let's 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 just do something for fun. You know, we're we're both t- giants now. We're way past our imperial phases. You know, well, Elton John, the Eternal Emperor. Um, but uh, I I I I can't say I'm convinced completely by the song yet. But I'm ready to give it another chance. Okay, but I, what I was going was was with the drum and bass bit at the end, right? Because I read about this album before listening to it, and it was like, oh, this ends in a drum and bass beat. And I was thinking, well, that's going to be pretty lame, isn't it? You know, Lady Gaga, Elton John on a drum and bass bit. They're just going to bring in this really polite bit, beat, and it's not going to, you know, be very impressive or anything. And it ends with an absolute mental bit of drum and bass that kind of just interrupts the track it doesn't even fit there's a moment where it just they bring in this beat and it's like what's what's going on because it was all like it in sort of different time signatures and it's a really good beat and it's also just all over the place and i love the way they did that they're, they're like fully like sticking their boots and it's not polite in any way this is just like them going yeah we, yeah we like this beat and we're gonna we're gonna bring it in now did you like did you like that beat are you just not the, convinced the, the beat was good the beat was good and and it, 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 I'm just not ready for it, Ben. I'm, I'm, as I say, it's, it's like with PC music. You know, I need to catch up to Charlie XCX, and I'm doing a all right job. Now I need to catch up to Elton John and Lady Gaga going drum and bass. All right, should we have a listen to please, that song? Please, please, let's play it. Okay, this is uh, Lady Gaga and Elton John, Sign From Above. I found 
I mean, this is going to be such an anthem. I can just see every bar in Eixample or in Tueca or in, I don't know, uh, even in, during Pride Week, this is going to be an anthem. It's the kind of song that you want to take your best friend and karaoke with because it's, you know, it's got those lovely lyrics that, that are quite, you know, they're not easy to sing. You've got to really memorize them. It's, it's fun. This is a good fun for karaoke. It, for a moment, it's like Safri Duo, DJ Tiesto. Then it goes into this, the, yeah, as you say, the, 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 the drum and bass bro out. Uh, and I, I, can, I can see Charlie XCX DJing this in one of her PC music sets, you know, or her and, and e, AG, um, AG... Who am I thinking of? And... Uh, Don't yeah. I? Where are you going? Da- uh, Daniel L. Harrell. I was confused. Daniel L. Harrell, yeah. A- yeah, A.G. Cook with it, Daniel L. Harrell. Well, they these- work together. Yeah, exactly. Well, I can see all that clique, all that collective sort of listening to this record thinking, oh, guys, we still have loads of work to do. We still have to reach this level of awesomeness where you're just able to go bonkers and it actually works. You know, who would have thought Elton John, disco queen at his age? <laughs> So uh, that was uh, Elton John, Lady Gaga, neither of whom are playing Primavera Sound 2021 as far as we know. But we have been talking and we are going to talk a little bit more uh, about uh, the artists who are playing. Just been looking online. Tickets um, have gone on sale. People are having problems uh, with um, getting tickets, I believe, from what I can from what I can tell. Um, there is an option there's problems in paying for the payment plan option Uh, it's going to take about 45 minutes to an hour uh, for that to be fixed according to Fest Ticket Uh, in the meantime if it's an option for you uh, you can check out now with full payment or pay with friends sorry about that um, but uh, we are on our uh, it's getting fixed and also it's really nice to see online one of the things um, that that people who roll over their ticket get um, uh, is a 15% discount off uh, for for a friend to, to come with them to Primavera Sound 2021. And it's been nice seeing people who've been doing that and are now going with their with their friends. Um, there's someone very very excited. I'm trying to find a Twitter who's now saying, "Yeah, and no, I can I can go with my best friend," um, which is lovely. That's what it's all about, isn't it, Johan? Going yeah. with people you know. Uh, you know, next year, by the time it comes around, it's not just all about you wanting to get your fix on every amazing music story and every band and every one who's released an amazing record or in the last years or decades ago. It's about reconnecting with people, uh, as we say, you know, being able to, will we be able to hug and sweat together and, and do as we used to do? Or is there going to be a new, normali- new normality imposed in festivals and big musical events? All these uncertainties, all that we know right now is that we have hope in the name of the lineup that's just been presented. And I might add that there's still many more to be confirmed if you look at the lovely pink letters at the bottom of the beautiful lineup cartel uh, graphic design it says and many more i'm like more seriously after everything we still have more more bands to announce uh, um but anyway just to finish off this special weekly review where we've been celebrating or talking about uh, imper- the imperial phase in artistic musical careers um someone who is headlining Primavera Sound 2021 who is well in the phase of his imperial phase is uh, Bad Bunny Bad Bunny he's got to be fabulous I mean we're talking about imperial phase you couldn't get all that much bigger than Bad Bunny could you? well it's lovely that the fact that his imperial phase was happening at the same time as J Balvin who was our headliner last year 
you know, they've walked hand in hand. They're, they're like the two emperors, shall we say. Not only did they become massive names and they were, you know, including, as I say, nothing demonstrates you're in an imperial phase like being asked to perform at a halftime at a Super Bowl show. They were part of J-Lo and Shakira's triumphant show last year, uh, last Super Bowl. Um, uh, so Bad Bunny... It isn't just him, once again, it's the entire genre. And not just the genre of reggaeton and, and la urban Latin music. It's also the visibility to an entire community, the which is the, the Latin American community or the Hispanic community in the world. All of a sudden, speaking Spanish is super... Part, it's part of the, 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 the global trend, shall we say. Even in unsuspected countries, people are saying Spanish expressions... Like, you know, they're incorporating, incorporating it into their dialogue. So it's, as I say, his imperial phase is interesting, but because it's not just about his personal wealth and his status and his, uh, his, um, his assurance as a, as a pop artist, you know, who's transcended reggaeton, has become something bigger than that. It's also what he's doing for communities. Remember that, imp that, that, that moment when he wore that T-shirt on, uh, was it Jimmy Fallon, where he was talking about Alexa, who was a trans person who had been uh, brutally killed in Puerto Rico. You know, so he was drawing, he was using his platform to raise awareness, you know, proper signs of an emperor in a state of grace in the, in the center of his imperial phase. And that is going to be, I think, one of the gigs of Primavera Sound 2021. Um, we're going to have to go now. Yeah. We have to go. We got to, far too excited over these 90 minutes. We're going to have to go and have a shower or something like exactly. that. Exactly. <laughs> uh, should we play it with Bad Bunny? Bad Bunny, ladies and gentlemen. Primavera Sound 2021. Still more names to announce. Make sure you keep tuning in to RPS. And we forgot to talk about PS Life, which is an interesting thing we'll be talking about next week. Uh, ben Cardew. It's been a pleasure. And Rob Roman on the decks. This is you your are listening, Say it.